Greetings, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cannabis Community Insider, a podcast featuring conversations with top influencers shaping the cannabis landscape today. I'm your host, Mark Pasakovich, and in my day job, I am a lobbyist and public affairs consultant, and one of my biggest clients is a cannabis company. This experience as an industry lobbyist and insider gives me access to key people and unique insights that I look forward to sharing with you. We bring you inside the cannabis industry and feature a multitude of diverse perspectives and opinions from business leaders, government officials, community stakeholders, and other key people in the fast-moving world of cannabis. The podcast tells the backstories of the developments you see in the news. We answer pressing questions from patients and consumers and explore the latest developments in cannabis business and culture. And by the way, your voice, yes, yours, really matters in determining the future of this podcast. So please don't forget to like us or recommend us or rate us highly. And certainly don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Community Insider on whatever platform you use. Don't forget, if you want to be an insider, you got to listen to the insider. Freshman State Representative Bob Morgan is new to his role as a state legislator, but he is definitely not new to state government, and he's also not new to cannabis issues, having previously served as general counsel for the Illinois Department of Public Health and the department's statewide project coordinator of the medical cannabis pilot program when it was getting started. So he really has been involved in a major way in this program from the very beginning. He's seen it as an implementer and a regulator, um, and now as a legislator. Representative Morgan has a unique perspective on both the past and the future of cannabis policy in Illinois. Recently, we sat down at his office for a quick conversation about his perspective on anticipated legislation this year. Thank you very much, Representative, for uh, talking with us today. So how are you enjoying Springfield, What, uh, given your new role so far? It's great to join you and everyone who's listening. Uh, I am very much enjoying the role as a state representative. It, is challenging. Uh, it's a challenging time for the state of Illinois, and there's a lot happening with a lot of new players, with the new governor's administration, with a lot of new members of the of the legislature. So there's a lot of change, and also a lot of systemic problems that need to be tackled. Uh, so I feel very privileged to be a part of all that, and and at a time where we can make some significant change and and try and help the state. What's one thing you? That was a surprise that you hadn't anticipated, given you're, you're not new to Springfield. There's a lot of activity down there. I, I think I, until I got down there, I could not have imagined just how much time is spent bouncing from issue to issue, meeting to meeting, person to person and group to group. There's just a lot to do and a lot of people with different interests that uh, nonprofits, for-profits, 
government agencies, uh, uh, constituents, and, and there's a lot to, to address. And so I, I think I uh, am just starting to get a feel for just how much there is to do down there. Yeah, that's surprising given you knew how much to, that's there right. was to do down there. Um, so uh, it seems like the medical cannabis community, uh, the patients especially, uh, really trust you. The grassroots really trust you. You're a known quantity um, and you always tried to do right by people. Um, so all that said, I, I, a lot of people want to know what kind of a role might you play on uh, cannabis policy going forward, understanding that it's not entirely up to you, that there are a lot of people making decisions. But, you know, given your committee placements, given your conversations, do you anticipate being involved in a significant way? Uh, the trust of the medical cannabis patient and advocate community is one of the most important things to me. It's one of the most valuable uh, things that I have as a legislator, as, as a person involved in the industry. Um, I've been working on that and fighting for patients since I first heard about the medical cannabis uh, concept and policy back in 2012. Um, so it means a lot to me to stay true to that and uh, I will continue to fight to, to maintain that trust for the patients. As a new legislator, there are some things that I will have limited ability to influence. Um, adult use uh, of marijuana, of course, is a very hot topic right now uh, at all levels of government in the state by every major player and political player in Illinois. Um, I'm going to be the lead of medical cannabis policy uh, in the House of Representatives. Uh, that will be my role. I will be involved with adult use legislation and the drafting of that, but my primary focus and my responsibility will be um, managing a, a change in legislation for Medical Cannabis Act, uh, the Pilot Program Act, um, and that will be what people see me working on for the next few months. Uh, excellent, and, and uh, to that point, uh, we um uh, surveyed the Illinois medical cannabis community on Facebook uh, about what kinds of things people wanted to ask you. And I think that uh, medical cannabis and the medical cannabis program is right up front there. Um, so uh, expand on what you envision. Obviously, um, since you made the distinction, uh, it's likely that there would be separate legislation or might it be legislation that runs together or concurrently? And to some people, obviously medical cannabis is a much more important issue than adult use um, because it's a medicine. Uh, and so uh, we're gonna make sure, right, that, that the program's renewed because it's uh, gonna, you know, it's supposed to expire in 2020. So uh, I assume you're working on that? I am, and, and first of all, congratulations to you and the entire community. I, I remember when it was launched and hit the first 500 members and then 1,000 and then 5,000. And to see what it's grown into, I think, is a testament to the patient, uh, patient community in Illinois and the advocates who have been fighting for access for people that are suffering for years and years and years, even before the Medical Cannabis Act passed. So thank you to you and to the community uh, and everyone who's going to be listening to this. Uh, I am absolutely going to be focusing in, in the first thing, uh, but not the only thing that I will be doing in, in legislation this, this session, will be getting rid of and removing the sunset. Um, I'm not personally looking for a one-year extension. Um, I will be advocating very, very strongly to get rid of the sunset entirely. It's no longer appropriate 
arguably didn't make sense at the beginning, but if the issue and the object was to show that this program can operate uh, successfully, safely, uh, without diversion, and helping the patients it was intending to serve, all those goals have been met. Uh, there's no discussion whatsoever about whether this program is helping people. It's universally accepted that this has benefited those that are uh, having access to medical cannabis. So the idea that it would be a one-year or two-year sunset um, as we trickle along, it, it, it's irrelevant now. We should get rid of the sunset entirely and make sure that this program succeeds and continues to serve those uh, who, on a daily basis, deal with really severe medical issues. So either politically or technically, uh, how do you see uh, the medical program vis-a-vis -vis the adult program? What, what's the impact of you know, deliberations on one uh, and deliberations on the other? Uh, they're both tied and independent. Um, you alluded earlier, I will be pushing for, and I think it's more likely than not that we end up with separate bills for changes to the medical cannabis program and then the creation of the adult use. Uh, in Illinois. I think that those are going to be separate tracks. It makes plenty of sense to me to maintain those as separate tracks, but of course there's a lot of overlap. If we're going to change the way we transport or allow transportation of cannabis in Illinois, the medical cannabis program at, at a minimum has to uh, be brought up to speed and modified to make sure that's consistent. If there are going to be changes to laboratory testing, uh, that has to be consistent. If there's going to be changes in um, uh, the ability for children to use cannabis in schools, as we've already seen some of that through litigation in the last year, that has to be updated in both statutes. So I, I think that there's a lot of synergy between the two, um, but I also think they're very separate programs. Uh, the recreational adult use program is intended to, right now, the vision is to have it as an umbrella overlapping uh, the existing medical infrastructure, uh, but they're different. They're, they're fundamentally different and focused on different things. Uh, the medical cannabis program, as everyone knows listening to this, is not designed to raise any money. It's not designed to raise revenue for the state to fill pension uh, deficits uh, or the budget holes. It's really meant to be functioning and cover its costs and not to be passed on to patients. And that's something that I will make sure that we keep. Um, so there are a lot of reasons to have them be separate. Uh, though again, there's plenty of overlap and we have to make sure we do this in a way that uh, there aren't unintended consequences of the medical program. So just to uh, skip around on questions, uh, you uh, alluded to just now to affordability, I think, of the medical program. And there are a lot of patients who are um, uh, not well off, uh, who for a lot of their other medicines uh, get assistance, um, or seniors or whatever. And so one of the significant questions that came up over and over again is, is there anything to be done about affordability of the product, at least on the medical side, or is there some way to, you know, have uh, uh, means-tested subsidies or any kind of, you know, require charitable contributions from the vendors or some way of um, uh, putting equity into the medical program in terms of access? There's no doubt that this product is expensive. Um, as everyone listening to this knows, there's no insurance coverage. Uh, it is expensive and it's prohibitive for some people, uh, plenty of people who can't afford $500 or $1,000 a month to pay for the product. Uh, the, there are a number of ways that this can 
develop over the next few months where there are accommodations made for reduced pricing of the product. Certainly the free market, uh, as you escalate the volume that's produced, there's an economy of scale that happens when you look around the country. Um, uh, cannabis, whether it's adult use or medical, uh, the, the pricing goes down as you start to have a broader, more robust program. So I expect that to be happening on its own, but I think the real question is, is that enough? Are there things that we can do even if we look at it only in the lens of the medical cannabis program, we have money coming in that is more than covering the costs of the program. Should some of that money be going towards subsidizing the project, the product? I think there are a number of things that we can do. I'll be looking to the community for other ideas. Um, certainly this, there are plenty of dispensaries, if not all the dispensaries, have some sort of subsidized program uh, for, for different patients that come in. Uh, I would love for that to be uh, more widespread. Uh, it shouldn't be shouldn't be a barrier for access in terms of their, their ability to pay. If they're suffering, they're suffering regardless of their wealth. I think a lot of people will be really pleased to hear that. In fact, excited to hear that because that is a common refrain, particularly uh, on the um, within the Illinois medical cannabis community. A lot of uh, ongoing commentary always about that on, on Facebook. So I think that's gonna be music uh, to people's ears. In terms of access, um, uh, how is HomeGrow going to play? And again, now we're beginning to, to talk about the uh, adult use side because that's where the issue has come up. There's also been some, you know, the, at least uh, uh, among the community, there's been some talk about, well, gee, if not everybody, maybe at least medical patients should be allowed to have a certain number of homegrown plants. Uh, where do you think that's going to ultimately land about who's going to get what and how much? That's a great question. Uh, there are a number of states that allow home grow and num a number of states that don't. Obviously, Illinois does not currently allow home grow, though it's happening today. It's just not happening legally. There's a lot of discussion about that issue right now, uh, particularly on the adult use side. And as everyone knows, uh, Senator... Uh, Heather Staines and Representative Kelly Cassidy are the leaders of the adult use legislation in Illinois, and they're having that conversation. Their most recent draft did have home grow. Um, there's daily conversations right now with the sponsors and other stakeholders and, and uh, uh, those that are interested in this issue about what's the best way to implement this and whether we should implement this as a home grow. Law enforcement is probably number one issue with, with a, a rec program would be home grow. Um, there's a legitimate policy discussion of whether or not they're right or not, uh, but that's the conversation happening right now. I'm a little more interested in letting adult use play out. I think that that will help inform what we do with medical. Uh, and I think that adult use is probably going to be the forefront of that debate. Um, I, I'm more interested as well to make sure that any uh, changes to the medical cannabis program are not held up uh, by something like home grow. It's, it's not my number one or number two priority, uh, but I understand and appreciate the, you, you talked about affordability. Uh, I think that that goes towards, towards access to those who can't afford it if they can home grow five plants. It also goes towards law enforcement and the ability to enforce who's inappropriately growing six or 60 plants. So it really is part of the broader conversation. And uh, I, I do think I'll be following the lead of the adult use conversation. Excellent. Um, so another issue that comes up a lot, and, and maybe you can uh, sort of handle this as a legislator as well as an attorney, uh, but there are a lot of folks who are really uh, frustrated that uh, their 
doctors, employers, that is hospitals, medical systems, uh, seem to be scared of the issue uh, of cannabis. Uh, and I can see a lot of healthcare institutions being able to um, draw the line at say recommending or prescribing cannabis. Uh, but I'm always surprised to see when medical institutions sort of forbid their uh, uh, their physicians to even talk about cannabis and sort of share their honest opinion, if any, uh, with their patients. And there's a lot of um, concern about that, particularly in rural communities. Uh, so the, I think this is an issue where a lot of your rural colleagues uh, might have uh, an interest because there's a lot of concern about, you know, I have to drive six hours just to find a doctor uh, who is willing to talk to me about cannabis and maybe treat me and see if I'm eligible for one of the conditions, et cetera. What are your thoughts about that? This goes to the broader question of accessibility. Uh, there are certainly those that are driving hours and hours to find access, not just to a physician, but for a dispensary. Uh, we don't allow transportation deliveries. We don't allow home grow. So if you live in Southern Illinois, you can be multiple hours away from your nearest dispensary and from your specialty physician. Sometimes you have to go out of state for your physician. We've seen that, especially in uh, the St. Louis area, Metro East. Uh, so I think that goes to the broader question of how are we educating hospitals uh, and where are we, certainly nationally, but also in Illinois, how can we move that, that issue forward? There's, I've been working with hospital systems since the beginning on this issue. I will continue to work with them more because there's so much more they could be doing. Uh, and I, I would like to think that with my urging and moving into a serious conversation about adult use, that the, the physician role in Illinois is going to evolve. Um, if it doesn't, I'm going to be looking at ways through this legislation in the spring that we can change the way the physician has a, has a role here. Again, a physician should be playing a specific role of, of allowing access to those who need it to the medical cannabis program. But if they're staying in the way is an obstacle, whether it's their decision or their employer of a health system, I think we have to look at ways to change that and reduce those barriers. Again, a huge issue for people, and I think a lot of people are going to be very um, pleased with that. Maybe another issue that you can address sort of as a lawyer and as a legislator is the whole issue of employment. Uh, a typical comment goes something like this. If it's going to be legal or if it's already legal for me as a patient, um, why can my employer still screen for it and penalize me or fire me for it? And uh, there is no screening or any kind of penalty for using really heavy duty opioids, which really have me zonked out when I go to work. So what's the logic in that? And um, I understand it's probably more of a national issue, not just a state issue in terms of employment, but where do you see it going? I do think that is a national issue, but I absolutely acknowledge it as a real legitimate issue. If you are a law-abiding citizen who is an appropriate medical cannabis patient and you use on the weekend medical cannabis and then during the week you go into your, your place of work, you're not using safety-sensitive position and you're not a surgeon and you're not a CDL truck driver, why should you not be allowed to go back into work? Um, that has been a balance since 2013 that we've been living in Illinois that an employer can have a zero tolerance policy and they can test at any time for the presence of THC and fire somebody, even if they use the product 29 days earlier. 
Uh, it is far from perfect. I do think, on a, keeping my legal hat on, that that's something we really have to let this play out a little bit in the courts. Um, but I'm very sensitive to the topic, and I think it's a real issue. Very good. Um, so one of the other sort of threats that the medical community faces, and I guess uh, all users would face, but the medical community in particular uh, is it has this issue of uh, their driver's license uh, being connected to their medical uh, cannabis card. Uh, and there's, of course, some logic to it because if you get pulled over on your way from home from the dispensary with product in the car, you want law enforcement to be able to verify that. On the other hand, uh, I personally have talked to several people who are like, well, if it's connected to my driver's license, then maybe my employer or somebody else will find out, and I just can't take that risk, so I'm going to suffer. Um, uh, is there anything that can be done to decouple those, given there are legitimate reasons why some of that may, might be necessary? I really don't know. I think it's, I remember the discussions going back to the initial implementation where the state police put the identification and, and the marks of being a medical cannabis patient through the Secretary of State system. So mm -hmm. if you have a suspended driver's license or you're a medical cannabis patient, it, it's brought up uh, and then any uh, law enforcement officer that pulls you over, um, again, far from perfect. I would be open to improvements on that, and I'm very sensitive to the concept of Big Brother and having government oversight. Uh, I'm I am a legislator, and I used to work in government. I completely understand not trusting government, and I think that that's a fair thing to say. We we don't require somebody buying over-the-counter Sudafed uh, to have to have their driver's license checked. Um, if they're a controlled substance uh, prescription, it does go through the prescription monitoring system. So perhaps that is enough for now, and we have to find a way to give law enforcement the tools that they need. But I'm very sensitive to this topic and uh, would be open to, to changes if we can do it safely. What can these programs, and I see both the medical and the uh, adult use having some responsibility for equity uh, and access, um, but what, uh, you know, particularly with the uh, uh, adult legalization considerations, what are your thoughts about sort of what can be done um, on all of these pieces? You know, there's the criminal justice reform piece. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, economic development piece. What are your thoughts about some of what you would want to see? Again, with caveat that Senator Staines and, and Representative Absolutely. Cassidy leads on, on uh, Adult use, um, there's no doubt, and, and the two of them have consistently said this, the concept of equity and the demand and requirement of equity is, is an essential part of any adult use bill. Um, I see the same for medical, in the, except that we have so far fallen short. Um, there were great intentions uh, when the law was passed, when I implemented the rules that had bonus points for those that involved uh, uh, minority ownership and minority employment. Uh, it has not played out the way that we had hoped. Uh, so the, the concept of equity is not there in the way that it should. Uh, criminal justice reform is absolutely going to be a component of an adult use bill. Um, they're still working through the concepts right now, but I'm a strong supporter of automatic expungement of those with qualifying uh, low-level drug crimes. Uh, I think that that's long past due whether we do adult use or not. Uh, and I think that that's a conversation that's happening right now as well in terms of what and how. 
Uh, but I think that that's an essential component of anything that comes up this spring. Uh, and then when it comes to the involvement in the industry, whether it's just the medical or the, f the future adult use, uh, there, there's an opportunity to do this in, in a way that's successful in places where other states and the state of Illinois have been unsuccessful in the past. It's a commitment of mine, it's just one of my values. Uh, I also think if you're being intellectually honest about the history of, of the war on drugs and, and the criminalization of, of marijuana, it, it, it's just an essential element of moving forward as a society. It's a value. Um, I have that value. I know Senator Staines and Representative Cassie share that. And uh, I also think uh, that the drafters and myself are still open to any other ideas that people have, whether that comes to ownership or employee training and, and apprenticeships, um, the support and lending towards minority owners, uh, the reinvestment in the communities, whether it's minority ownership uh, of racial minority, socioeconomic minority, any other uh, disadvantaged community uh, should be benefited by this program. Uh, and I think that's the overall goal from myself and the others. All right, well, thank you very much. That's about it. Well, thank uh, you, and I encourage the community to reach out anytime. Um, please send in, continue sending in your comments and suggestions, um, but do it quicker uh, because in the coming months we're going to be finalizing some legislation and, and we hope to earn your support. Thank you again. Thank you for being uh, an advocate. Thank you for stepping up to serve in the legislature. Uh, Hopefully that won't make you a patient yourself anytime soon, but it's a stressful job. Well, thank you, Mark. And uh, again, it's an honor to be in this role and to play the role of being an advocate and um, never hesitate to reach out in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as you can see, folks, lots of things happening on the legislative front in Springfield. Uh, and Representative Morgan is likely to be in the thick of it. So with the end of Illinois' legislative session scheduled for May 31st, the General Assembly and the new governor sure have a lot to do in a very short period of time. We will keep you updated as things heat up, so please stay tuned. And in the meantime, thanks again to State Representative Bob Morgan for taking time to talk with us.